are in day two of this 30-day Romans reading plan. Robert Russell here, worship pastor at New Vision, here with Andrew Cloud, hey. research specialist. He is a man that supports Brady with uh, just doing some uh, pre preliminary uh, research. Tell him a little bit about what you do, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no problem. I love doing it. Uh, you know, super into theology. I like big words I say, and that's okay. Right? I, I do basically research uh, to kind of. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff when it comes to planning a sermon. You have commentaries, you have other people's sermons, books, and all this stuff. Of course, the text itself. And so, you know, it's just giving Brady a leg up to here, here's here's what are some implications of the text. Here's how you could do that. And kind of like a sample sermon, but it's also super detailed. So it saves him time of reading all the commentaries. But it's just one step in between that. So I, here, here's and a, it's in New Vision's context. So, yeah, that was yeah. what I'm going to ask you. Like, you know, uh, is it hard to maybe try to anticipate where where Pastor might take it? Because he is a very creative, yeah. communicator. And you know this. I used to be on the AV team, and uh, part of my thing was running the lyrics and the the notes on screen. And so there was a time for years I heard every single sermon. And I'm not, I'm not just talking like every Sunday. It was like the 8.20, the 9.40. And then when we had that 6 p.m. service. Yeah. So, I mean, Brady has hugely shaped who I am, not only as a Christian, but as a guy. You know, and we're different, but, you know, I hugely respect him. And so I'm kind of my goal is to try to get, I'm using air quotes right now, but get in his head. And so uh, not to imitate him per se, but just to to help best assist him as possible. That's so, beautiful, man. We yeah. both have deep, deep roots. That's cool. That's a really neat uh, perspective on what you do and uh, how you are uniquely gifted, how God has kind of shaped that. Uh, you are reading uh, Romans 1, 18 through 32, which is a, a great passage. You're excited about it, but it has a special kind of... Yeah, it's kind tell, of a Tell harsh, us about that. It's a harsh passage. I mean, a, a lot of Romans is kind of difficult material and one that you're like, all right, so this is going to ruffle some feathers, you know, that kind of a thing. So uh, Romans has really been an important book, and I say a watershed moment for many people, I mean, throughout church history, period. And I'm, you know, I'm not like this huge guy, but it, it's been massive in my life because I got saved my senior year of high school when I got invited to a Bible study, and they were going through the book of Romans. And so I was like, what is this? Yeah. I grew up in and out of, uh, let's say, a different denomination, a different, and I wasn't really in church much at all. Um, and being in the South, of course, you hear, well, Jesus is love and Jesus is forgiveness. Like, all oh, that's good. And, but, you know, fast forward to my time in high school, I was like, okay, whatever, like, this is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Jesus is love, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Sounds terrible, but I mean, I understand. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when I get to this Bible study and they're going through the book of Romans, I'm hearing like the wrath of God and there's no one who's righteous. No, not one. And all this stuff. And I'm, you know, my head's turned like tilted, like a little beagle. Like what? <laughs> and so finally, you know, I hate to sound like it was appealing that God's wrath was, I mean, that sounds terrible, but this is the God we worship. Like all of a sudden it started to make sense. Like God's justice, his righteousness, his wrath and his anger on sin and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy they're intersecting perfectly on the cross. Yeah, like, you really can't understand the fullness of love without understanding yeah. uh, the fullness of what you are brought from. Exactly, yeah. And so that's really, I think, what this passage is all about. It's, it's talking about God's wrath. 
Cool. Well, why don't you take us through it? Yeah. Okay. So in many of your, you know, I don't know if y'all are listening in the car or, or reading on your app or whatever it is, but in many of the Bible headings, it will say something like God's wrath on humanity or God's wrath on unrighteousness or something like that. And so let's just dig in at verse 18. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Now, the they here, Paul is writing to the, you know, Nick last time talked about this. He's writing to the church at Rome, which is including both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So there's this tension here. Now, when he's writing, and we see in later chapters, it's like, okay, he, it's clear right now he's talking about Gentiles. If, if there's Jewish people in his audience, it's like, yeah, yeah, these Gentiles, right? The pagans, right? And so they, they have this, this mindset, and we'll see that later on in other chapters. But So Paul says, they have no excuse, like nobody has an excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man birds and animals and other creeping things. 24, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with uh, women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God and his righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so in that, we, we see like, wow, that's there's this list and you know it's a hard topic because he's talking about homosexuality and all he has this list of sins but what's really interesting in that is is the very first thing in that list that that Paul gives is the the word men man so uh, really when we're talking about God's wrath on humanity and it's like oh wow why why are men without excuse well, it's because all men have knowledge of God. And this goes back to forever. I mean, you, you can see it in the debates nowadays with atheists and that kind of a thing. It's like we're, we're all suppressing God. Does that make sense? So uh, what's really interesting, you, you know, you go back to Genesis 1. What does Satan say? Surely you'll be like God, right? Be like God. And so 
when we see man as the first in that list of sins and, you know, that man worships birds and creatures and all those kind of things, it's we are the, the center of our own universe. And what this, this text is saying is that all men everywhere are born with like an innate tendency, all of us, to be the center of our own universe because we suppress God's knowledge. Because we see creation exists, therefore there must be a God. I mean, everybody kind of knows that, but they're suppressing it willfully. And so no man has an excuse. And, and that's a really hard truth to say like, all right, God is righteousness and his wrath and you know the topic of hell. Like that's not popular. People don't want to hear that, but it's in there. And then of course there's the, well, what about, let's say, Let's say someone's on a you know hypothetical person on a on a desert island, and it's like, what if they never hear the gospel? What what this text is saying, as hard as it is, is that no no such hypothetical person exists. That's saying, well, if only someone would come to me with the gospel. In other words, they're not going to be judged because they haven't heard the gospel. They'll be judged because they've been suppressing the truth all along. If that makes any sense. So we're all without excuse, and as hard as that is. Uh, that's the God that we worship. I mean, this the, the fullness of God, if we can't fully understand him. And so we see ourselves in this text. You know, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, it's like this, there's this decline we see in the text. It's like, oh, they're worshiping birds and creatures and that kind of a thing. And it's like, oh, that's that's like this, you know, ancient, antiquated, you know, the sun god in the Egyptian culture or, you know, all these silly mythologies. We're way past that. Like, you kind of hear that rebuttal, that kickback, and it's like, you know what? That really hasn't changed because, and I don't want to name drop, but I was watching a debate you know, a couple years ago um, with an atheist and someone who was, they were debating, let's call this person the science guy, right? And so they were debating and he's, he's this scientist was arguing like, God doesn't exist. He's an atheist, he, you know, God doesn't exist. And then he would stop and he's like, hey, check out this rock. And, or, you know, whatever it was, he had a picture and he was using it to try to support his argument. But then he'd pause and be like, isn't this rock beautiful? Like, or this, this bird is magnificent. I mean, look at, look at how the earth is, you know, how it is and how he's, you know, quoting evolution and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, nothing much has changed because in that sense, he's kind of worshiping creation or, or, or deifying it. Like, look how that, that, that word magnificent or amazing that's worship. That's what. So we see so easily in Romans 1 how we, we can see ourselves in the text, and not much has changed, even though a lot has changed. Does that make sense? So we're on this, this perverted downward trend, and it starts with the truth about who God is, his very nature. We suppress that as men. And then once our thinking gets perverted, who God is, then so our lives go also. And that's why you see all these sins of, you know, homosexuality. And and this is Paul's writing in a day when, I mean, Rome had approved gay marriage in, in essence. And, and so, like I said earlier, you can say like, wow, uh, the world has gotten worse, right? A lot of people say that. It has, I think. But in another sense, it's not much has changed. We're all, we're all of debased thinking and now of debased behavior. And so... What's, what's really hard in that is we talked about God's wrath and, you know, a lot of times we said, well, people deserve hell and that's right. Mankind deserves hell because God is perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. And only he has that in and of his own character, the right 
well, he should judge sin, shouldn't he? I mean, who wants to worship a God who's unjust? I mean, that's nobody wants that God, but this is the God that we worship. And so um, I think it's the best way to say it is that the gospel is bad news before it's good news. And on this section of Romans, we see that, that, that bad news and, and who God is and his righteousness, his wrath is all a, par, a part of understanding the hugeness of the gospel and the grace that we'll see in chapters to follow. And so we say God's wrath is kindled, right? His wrath is kindled, and rightly so. And as unpleasant as that may seem, that's the God we worship, and that's the one who's worthy of worship. Oh, man, thank you so much, dude. I I really appreciate you doing this today. Uh, You're such a sharp guy. Um, So grateful. And and you know what? Uh, Luck of the draw. Uh, <laughs> you, you came late, I guess, to the signing up for what passages you were going to yeah. read. And you got two in a row. Yeah, man. So we'll hear from you tomorrow. All right. So Excellent. grateful for you. Talk to you then.